I'm Ellen Vince. Welcome to Impact, a podcast about how we can each bring about real change in the world and getting practical in making that happen. And hello, I'm Clive Johnson. A special welcome if you're listening for the first time and a big thank you to our new subscribers. Each week, we look at one aspect of how we can connect our hearts to offer healing for others with collective intention, prayers and meditation and talk about the critical happenings in our world that need our attention right now, some of which may not be making the headlines where you are. And I should say that poor Ellen has got a bit of a cough and a cold today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, will, uh, we will forgive her if she's sounding a little bit hoarse. Um, Thank you. In the news that we'll be focusing on this week, quite a number of stories related to our, our key focus this week, which is the the main theme for this year that Ellen um, has chosen for the global healing response, which we're going to talk about in, in just a short while, our earth. So some stories relating to our environment, some good ones, some not so good ones, perhaps. I think more on the good side. So uh, a fairly upbeat and optimistic uh, new stories to look forward to. Sadly, though, a lot happening in the world that isn't so good. So we're looking at uh, continuing problems in Gaza, what's been happening in Sudan, in southern Sudan. And finally, we'll also pick up on a lovely story about how one company seeks to reduce the millions of tons of plastic waste that go into our oceans. But uh, more on that later. But first, as I mentioned, this week, we are going to focus very much on the key theme of this year's Global Healing Response. Ellen, you spoke about Global Healing Response when uh, I interviewed you in one of our introductions a few episodes back. Can you remind listeners what Global Healing Response is all about and how it got started? Sure. I would love to do that. Um, I want us to pay attention to the title, Global Healing Response. And um, just like this podcast gives us something to do, the word response was very important to me to include because, mm. you know, we talk about global healing and um, we need to think about global healing, but sometimes that doesn't include action. Mm. So I wanted to include a word that would um, include action. And um, I also wanted it to be global. That's important to me as as it is with this podcast and for you too, Clive, Absolutely. I know that's important yes. to you. So it began actually when I was a newly trained labyrinth facilitator. And like we've said to our listeners, we'll explain more about the labyrinth in future episodes. And I did that right before 9-11 in our country, in the U.S. And after 9-11 happened, I was anxious to see how our labyrinth, our global labyrinth community was going to respond to that. And we all responded individually, but not in a unified way. So I kind of was thinking in my head of a way that we could all come together and uh, do something that would impact the world when these emergencies or disasters happen. And I just ruminated on it. I thought about it. And I had a chat with um, the Reverend Dr. Lauren Artris about it. And she said, that sounds great. Go for it. So my idea was to create something very simple that would be mm -hmm. easy to follow in the, in the state of an emergency or disaster, no matter what level that would consist of, and yet profound. So I thought of something, and one morning in 2004, 
I woke up and thought this is a day I'm going to introduce it to the labyrinth community. Now my intention was for it to grow beyond the labyrinth community, mm. but this is where I was going to start because it's a great group of people, as you know, right, Clive? Absolutely. And they are very committed to um, providing healing and um, working together. And it was a community you you were very tied into at that time as well. Yes, and still are. Yes, uh, so it made you, sense. Yeah. And I just didn't realize that in two weeks I would have to implement it with Hurricane Katrina in our yeah. country. Yeah. Um, so that was a really a wonderful experience. We learned a lot in doing that of things to do and things not to do. One of the things not to do was to involve the people who had been affected by the tragedy. They are not in a state of being able to plug in. It's not where they should be putting their energy at the time. They need to just receive. Mm. So that was a Im really important learning in mm. moving forward. Um, since that time, we have responded to over 17 disasters and emergencies, including um, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, war, shootings all around the world. And um, what we do is I, I choose a day that we all will open our labyrinths together at the same time. I create some materials and sometimes I have some people help me do that, um, that has a unified intention and meditation that people can use and maybe some suggestions of how to create your event. Um, usually I have a flyer that people can plug in their own information for and um, a press release that they can send mm -hmm. to their mm -hmm. newspapers just to make things simple, uh, as easy as possible. And it's kind of like, I, I liken it to a fire escape plan where you don't want to dwell on the negative and what is happening, but you create this plan, put it aside, and we just know it's there when we need it. And there's some beautiful, amazing resources there, really inspired. I, I was just having a quick look this morning, actually, um, and uh, it's perhaps one of the more unusual themes you have amongst uh, the, the intention set was around creativity. <laughs> mm -hmm. I haven't. I don't think I'd seen that one before, and I, I was struck struck by that. And absolute beautiful poems and prayers and uh, suggestions about holding, really, really quite something. And possibly you don't know this, Alan, but I use one of your resources. Or I say I, um, the Power of Eight group that I'm a part of, um, uses one of your resources every week around intention setting. We, we've actually adapted it slightly for for our. Um, particular practice but um those are beautiful inspired words that's all about you know affirmations around our intention setting reminding us oh, about, wonderful yeah, yeah, i'm, I'm so glad that. um mm. it's it's very moving when i hear people say that they use the materials because i put it out there and the website is globalhealingresponse.com um and that of course will be in the show notes Everything is free and um, accessible to people, uh, so it it's it makes me very happy to hear that mm. you. No, absolutely. That. And you know, a case of you know, why reinvent the wheel? And quite possibly, we wouldn't reinvent the wheel as well. Right, right. So <laughs> yeah, um, and I think what you're referring to is the um, global healing quarterly intentions that you're using. Is is what it grew the the responses that we were doing to each emergency and each disaster, um, I, I say, I can tell you that the world has changed since the beginning of mm. the global healing response because the emergencies and disasters started coming too quickly. Yes, yes. 
and we couldn't respond to all of them. And an idea that was given to me and I implemented by Joanne Mast was um, to create a yearly theme uh -huh. with quarterly intentions. Yes. And um, we've been doing that for about 13 years. Um, so that gives if everyone in the labyrinth community an opportunity to lead a walk with this intention, that would be over 10,000 people around the world who would participate in that and would have an impact. And so each year there's a theme and then each quarter I, I have a different um, focus. So this year, obviously, as we, we said at the beginning, we, we, we're just uh, fairly fresh yes, into yes. 2024. I, I've actually done pretty well this year getting, well, you, you don't sign checks anymore here in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> these days, but I don't think I've actually got confused with the, the year date so far. But um, presumably that means this year there is a new theme. Yes, and, yes. And so the, a new focus. Yeah, this year the, the theme is Our Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, our quote for the entire year is by Wendell Berry, and it's the earth is what we all have in common. And the quarterly focuses are for January, February, and March are water. And, and I chose that because World Water Day is March 22nd. Uh -huh. And we'll come back to we'll come back to this quarter. We'll talk a little bit more about water and um, uh, I know our listeners don't know this, but I'm an open water swimmer and it's very important to me. Mm. So, um, and then April, May, and June is the earth, uh, July, August, and September is fire and October, November, and December is air. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So I think, I think, um, part of, I, I spend a fair amount of time trying to decipher what the world needs for the next year. And I ask for consults from other people who I know have wisdom about this and, um, it's not something I take lightly. It's it's um, very well thought out. And I thought that in this coming year, what could be very helpful is unity. And as this quote says, the earth is what we all have in common. Yes. Wow. And that focus on the four elements there, really, really mm -hmm. beautiful. I, mm -hmm. It just reminds me, there's, I think it's a Sufi chant. I might, might be wrong with this, but you probably know this one. Air my breath, um, yes. Earth my body, mm -hmm. <laughs> fire my spirit, isn't it? Uh, what's the other one? Water my blood. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Judith Tripp uses that quite a bit when she's um, doing ceremonies. Yeah, I've learned it through her. Aha! Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I certainly know when I was in seminary uh, that came up a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. one to um, to use. So resources this year all around this particular theme mm -hmm. and perhaps we can talk a little bit about about this focus on water then and, and you mentioned and I, I don't think we have actually mentioned this before to our listeners that you are my goodness an Ironman competitor yes runner uh, well it's not just running yes. is it? it's all sorts of things and no. um, you swim you bike and you run in an iron oh, you swim 2.5 mile 2.4 miles you bike 112 miles and then you run a marathon oh my goodness and you've probably done that all by the time i've got up <laughs> <laughs> no it takes quite a long it takes all day where do you swim the, the wild uh, wild water is it, is it in the lake michigan or lake michigan my goodness yes. my goodness at any yeah, time of year 
Um, no, just in the summer, but I do have friends who go in almost year round. Um, and I'm also proud to say that I swam across Lake Michigan in 2013 oh and realized for mm -hmm. oh it was, my. it was really fun. How yeah. far is that? It was 44 miles that we my swam. Goodness. Is that from sort of the Southern part of Chicago area or? Mm -hmm. Yep. The, the, from Chicago to, um, uh, New Buffalo, Michigan. 44 yeah. miles. But it was a real eight. I didn't swim. I didn't swim all the 44 miles, but it was very fun. It was, it I, was a, a I, highlight. I mean, it sounded, it, I mean, that just sounds beyond whatever you were doing in a relay. My goodness, that's extraordinary. I, I know in my country, the wild water swimmers, the, 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 the popular challenge is the channel. Oh, yes. I know uh, it well. Over to, yes. over to France or the other way. And mm -hmm. from what I understand about that, that is a, the, the currents for one thing it, it yes. doesn't mean you're just traveling you know if you just drew a line between dover and calais the shortest yes. distance is 20 odd miles 21 miles or something but of course you're, you're swimming double mm -hmm. that at least and against a current mm -hmm. and, oh my goodness. yes so you yeah. have a special um relationship if you can call it that with the wildness of the water I, I do. And um, I'm also a Pisces, which, you know, people can guess <laughs> that. Um, so water is, and if I, I'm not very good at astrology, but people who look at my sign say, you know, it's completely water. So um, yes, I'm, I'm very happy when I'm in the water. Um, so this, this uh, quarter makes me happy. Yes. And um so I have a, a blessing by Dr. Emoto, who has done, um, if you don't know who he is, I would uh, look into his work because he has uh, focused on how emotions affect the water. Mm. And he has pictures often. That's how you might know him, the pictures of what a water molecule looks like when it's been exposed to anger compared yes. to. Yes, 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 to yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Quite, quite remarkable, um, isn't it? To, to right. Say, yeah. Right. So this is a good quarter to look into that and know that. Um, so in the um, the template for each quarter is, as I, I liken it to a Sunday school lesson, where it gives the focus, it gives a quote, a picture, um, sometimes a color, um, a prayer, a meditation, and ideas for a benefiting organization. If you have an event around this um, intentional labyrinth walk or intentional healing, whatever modality you mm, work in. Not, not just labyrinth, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you want to collect an offering, I, I like to give an organization that um, hopefully I do as much research as I can to find out that it's reputable, um, you could donate money to. And ideas to uh, for ambiance around your event and then music to play during your event again beautiful um <laughs> yes simple but profound yes that's, indeed that's what i like to say easy to follow um for people who maybe are just getting into a healing modality and i'll just use the labyrinth because it's easy for me to use that language but please feel free to you know listeners please feel free to adapt this to whatever modality you work in Yes. But if you're a new facilitator, if you're new at leading events, um, it's all laid out for you so that you can um, you have the materials you need to do it and you feel a little bit more confident, hopefully. I think you'll find on your website materials covering most of, of the kind of general themes that we, we cover, the kind of 
crisis, the kind of mm-hmm. uh, situations where we we hold intention. It's, it's because you, as you say, this started way back in well, it's over twenty years now, isn't it? Uh, with it's um, almost twenty nine, years, nine uh-huh. eleven yeah. and Katrina. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there is a vast collection of resources there now and, and you're in the process where you've, you've recently updated your your website haven't you yes yes hopefully it's a little bit easier to use and um a little bit more aesthetically pleasing <laughs> so. well i i i think it was it was good as it okay. was it, it was yeah, a good search for and so on. but uh yeah it's uh, it's good to to take feedback and improve as well, of course, and yes, revisit yes. From, from time to time. And and I'm also in the process of putting these materials into a book form to have as a reference. Um, as you'll see on the website, it's it's vast and Wonderful. there's a lot there. But um, I've been asked if I could just put everything into into a book form for reference. That, that will be that will be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, obviously, when that's available, we'll we'll let listeners know. Um, oh yes, you'll know. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll look forward to that. So, overall, what are your hopes for where our collective intention and healing um, can really make a difference this year? Well, I, um, as we've talked about, and as our past episodes have have shown, we are very interested in collective healing and intention. And it was about 2019. I started um, being interested in finding out why is why is this working and what's the science behind it? I've always been interested in mm. physics and read an article from the Institute of Noetic Science about community healing and collective healing and um, really piqued my interest. And it I helped helped me to understand why what we were doing was working, the science behind it. And um, I just I'm passionate about that. I love that. It's, it's, as I've said before, it's full of possibilities. I feel like if we all knew how impactful this can be, um, we would take advantage of it, which is the whole motivation for what we're doing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Um, So my hope in moving forward is to help people to understand why this works and why it is, uh, important for us to come together in these Mm. situations and the power the power we have to make an impact and um how much power there is in loving kindness Mm. and this this group positive loving intention that we provide and really how little power there is in the opposite yeah yes lower vibration that's what i'm hoping for Wow! Wow! Well, we we uh, <clears throat> we certainly are on the same page as they say on on, on that yes. one. Um, well, we will come back um, in in two or three months when we come into the new next quarter yes. and, uh, and and talk about what what is after water. Um, <clears throat> After water is Earth, Earth because right. so we'll Earth Day is April twenty second. And World Labyrinth Day is May 4th, which I'm also the coordinator for that. So um, that's why I chose Earth next. Uh uh But for now, um, a focus on water. So Mm -hmm. really encourage listeners to take a look at the website. Of course, the link is in the show notes. And to just have a peruse through the the vast um, 
catalogue of, of resources, icon resources, for want of a better word, but you mm-hmm. know, poems and meditations and prayers and so on that are there. Really, really, as you say, it, Sunday school lesson ready made for you, really, for any mm-hmm. any modality. And um, really, I found it very, very inspiring. So uh, strongly encourage you. you folks to thank you. And for what we do, I mean, it is a tremendous supporting resource for pretty much any episode i would say you you can, yes. you can go to your site and you'll find material there that um, would support the the intentions we're holding and topics we're we're talking about so it is a, a real gift to the world bless you thank you ellen and uh, thank you we'll for letting me more. talk about it oh it's, it's a, absolutely uh, what we should be doing and sharing it and which you do so generously so we look forward to talking about Earth in in a couple of months' time. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Impact, a podcast for anyone who believes in making a difference in the world through prayer, healing, and sending intention out into the world. Join us as we focus attention on where healing is needed right now. Together, we change our world. So, of course, this is a a very big umbrella theme, our Earth, running right through this year. And uh, these sub-themes for for each quarter, also very big headings. So we could take inspiration for our weekly suggested intention from any one of these. But as, as always, we want to be very specific. And we thought we might take inspiration from a saying of Rowanna Jones, who said that, when I look at our planet... I don't see any borders. So, I see you, a citizen of Earth, just like me. This is who we truly are. Now, following on from that, our suggested focus for this week is, we will, that all human beings, remember that we are all caretakers of the same planet, our Mother Earth. I love that. Thank you, Clive, for connecting all the dots on the global healing response. It's really, it's beautiful. And the website is looking wonderful. I was having a look yesterday. This quote, amongst many other poems and other materials, uh, for, for water especially this quarter that, that you, you put up there, it's looking really wonderful. So as we, we've said before, really encourage folks to go and have a look at the materials available there. Even if they're not running a labyrinth walk or facilitating some event, there's a lot, a lot there for real inspiration, I think, to take away. And of course, we've got the link in the, in the show notes. And in our Labyrinth Activist Network circle that we had last Tuesday, we held an intention about water and equitable Mm. water for everyone, drinking water for everyone. Yes. yes. And um, then I also did another webinar with Chris Katzenmeyer on Saturday, and we Uh held the same intention. And it's really moving how impactful that is to people. Yes. And how that has brought action for some people to um, volunteer in you know to organizations or to really you know there i would read an article about 19 things you can do to reduce water usage one of them being taking shorter showers <laughs> so there's some easy things we can do yes, yes to um help the water crisis and we'll talk about that more in another episode i think we've, we've absolutely one to focus Ab- just on um, 
the water issue. Absolutely. I mean, the water, it, it strikes me, I mean, here in the UK, smart meters, I don't know if it's the case in the US and elsewhere, but smart meters are becoming increasingly popular. And they, they really do seem, I, I, I'm, I use one, and I think it makes... Uh, makes me more conscious of where energy is being spent. But that is electricity and gas at the moment. Maybe there's other energy forms as well that can be monitored smartly. But we don't have the same for water. Water is assumed to be, in this country, a basic human right and is available quite literally on tap. You pay the same as a household. I believe you pay the same rate for the water, irrespective of whether you run the shower for an hour or (laughs) for five or not even five minutes. <laughs> let's say, let's say a minute. So maybe, uh, maybe there's something not quite right there in, in the way we're, right. we're using it. We all have a little we could learn from I, I being think conservative, so. right? Well, I'm I'm excited about this first story that we're talking about the um, the hope of renewable energy from hydrogen power, which I feel like has been talked about forever, mm. um, and I I don't know as much about it as I would like to, but I'm intrigued whenever I do hear a story about it, and so I I, I didn't know this was even possible, but a remote community in the savannah of West Africa is trailblazing this new form of carbon-free energy, and the residents of Boraka Buga, I hope I said that right, in Mali, are the only people in the world who get their electricity from burning natural hydrogen. Hmm. I, I didn't I didn't even know that that was possible. No, no. So it was first identified bubbling from the depths through their village water well in 1987. And the gas contains no carbon. And when it's burned, it produces only water. So how great is that? Mm-hmm. Geologists once dismissed the idea that the Earth's crust was widely impregnated with stores of hydrogen, but now they say there could be trillions of tons of it lying unnoticed beneath the planet's surface, with more being generated all the time. There's the key phrase, right? Prospectors are now rushing to find it. Now, this could be the downside, right? (laughs) Drilling for hydrogen in Northeast France, Australia, Spain, Morocco, Brazil, and in several U.S. states. I don't know what the drilling is about, if that is really impactful to the earth or you know detrimental, but it sounds hopeful on many ways, but you know, hopefully that doesn't become bad. Yeah, it's, it's probably early days, I guess. I, I must, must admit I don't know very much about this. I know Bill Gates is investing quite a lot in um, some of the US projects, I believe. So he clearly believes in this, or potential at least. How much you need in order to service a city, (laughs) for example, I don't know. But who knows, this could be a really very important new source of energy, um, which is essentially carbon neutral, as far as I can understand, which is quite incredible. Yeah. Now, not such a happy story, looking at what's happening in Gaza. Um, This follows allegations this past week that some members of the UN agency that is responsible for delivering aid in the Gaza Strip were involved in the October 7th attacks on Israel. As a result, a number of countries, major, major donor countries, including the US, the UK, Austria, Finland and Japan, have temporarily suspended funding to this particular uh, UN agency. Now, of course, the consequence is 
the people on the other end who need the support of essential food, water, and medical assistance with reduced funding and reduced support, uh, that is going to become even more um, difficult to get through to them. And at the same time, people in southern Gaza are facing flooding in some of the makeshift camps where they have been living now for several months. So not surprisingly, there are a number of major non-governmental organizations, NGOs, such as Oxfam and Save the Children, who are urgently pleading with donor nations to please look at this in the round, as it were. And uh, that, that also is the plea of United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres. The UN is really speeding up its investigation into this to make sure that um, its agency, UNRWA, um, it's really understood whether there are members in this still, I guess, and how this came about, you know, that, that, that they were involved in an attack. So so hopefully that will quickly make clear what the UN's position uh, situation is and reassure those nations that um, have reacted to this. Well, let's hope they get to the bottom of it mm. and things resume and we can get aid to everyone who needs it. Exactly. In Gaza and Israel. Well, there is good news from a story we reported last week, and um, it's it's an intention that I held very close to my heart for the week. So after nearly a week in captivity, six Catholic nuns and two lay people who were kidnapped in Port-au-Prince and Haiti were released on Thursday. And that was just days after a plea by Pope Francis. So the Catholic Church in Haiti had organized a day of prayer and last Wednesday hoped for their release. And so it kind of shows intention mm, worked. Their own form of intention. We intended mm. that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really yeah. happy about that. It's really bad in Haiti. It's, yeah. It's and when crazy. we hear these stories, how uplifting it is. You know, we, we don't necessarily yeah. go looking for them. But when we hear them and, you know, we know an intention, perhaps, as we often say, better than, you know, for the, for the greater good than we've actually conceived in, in terms of how it plays out. I always find that very, very uplifting, very, uh, yeah. you want to, you want to give thanks for it. It's kind right. of a natural thing. Hopeful. Hopeful, yes. indeed. <laughs> so contrast, I'm afraid. And this yes. is really a, a story that um, I know has disturbed many of us, a drone attack in Jordan has killed three serving U.S. soldiers. The Pentagon on Monday said that an unmanned drone attack killed three U.S. troops and wounded more than 40 others at a remote base on Jordan's border with Syria. Analysts say the attack bore the footprints of the uh, what's believed to be the Iranian-funded Kataib Hezbollah, but is reserving judgment until the military completes its investigation. And that's really put the White House in a, a difficult position because there's a lot of pressure domestically to respond quickly. But clearly, this yeah. is not a simple situation. Iran has denied involvement. I know that literally days before this, indeed even hours before this, the, the Iranians and the, the US were talking about de-escalation in the region. And I was actually reflecting on this last night. I, I woke up in the middle of the night for some reason, and this this came up amongst other things, and it just struck me. One of the things we don't know about the intentions we send is what goes on diplomatically behind closed doors, but also in the spy world. Espionage plays quite can play quite a part in this. It's it's uh, I, I think one of the roles of espionage, as I understand it, is is almost to maintain peace. 
you know, I hope so. Like, it's like a <laughs> military thing. It's like a professional. You know, we can get killed and we're in danger. Um, and the story that came to my mind, which I probably will get wrong here, was actually a, a podcast I was listening to. A podcast, but I think it was on the foreign policy, the U.S. foreign policy uh, podcast on um, spycraft and uh, former spies, particularly a certain period after they left service or a certain period after activity, certain information becomes public knowledge. And this was a story, if I remember correctly, of a, an Israeli Mossad spy uh, that had hatched a plan to assassinate uh, someone they thought was a terrorist or a threat to Israel in Jordan, as it happened, quite some years ago. We're going back 20, 20 30 years probably. And they, in, in typical spy fashion, had developed this toxin that somehow they were going to be able to spray at him just by opening a Coke can or something like that, um, pretending it was an accident. And I can't, I can't, I was trying to remember this last night. I can't remember the full story. I probably got, this is where I've got it wrong. But the number of it was that I think they got the wrong person. <laughs> and this got, this got, um, I'm not sure if that was correct, but the, the spy got picked up. He got found out as well and he got imprisoned. What happened behind closed doors was that at a very high level, and I can't remember who the Prime Minister of uh, Israel was at the time, called King Hussein of Jordan, as he would have been, <laughs> he supposed two rivals at a very high level and had a chat about it. And King, uh, King Hussein said, well, look, if this guy dies, you, you know I'm going to have to hang him. Uh. And... Uh, and uh, Israel said, yeah, oh, we have got an antidote. We'll get that to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This sounds like a movie. They worked it out. The guy survived. They were able, and obviously the, um, uh, what do they call it, the optics, you know, what goes into the public domain was, was a bit different to what was going on behind the scenes. They actually managed to get um, the, the, the Mossad spy came back to Israel. And it was not exactly happily ever after, but basically what went peace on behind the scenes, peace, peace, peace reigned and, you know, it was yeah. presented in a particular way. It struck me that quite possibly we don't know what is going on is that yeah. Iran and the US are speaking in that kind of way behind the scenes because they both want to de-escalate the situation. They don't want a war in that, in that region. So, yeah, the, it's, it's, a, it's a tough decision if you're in the White House at the moment, I think, how you respond to this. Yes, um, yes, it is. We, we don't see all the optics, that's for sure. But I did hear this morning that um, President Biden was going to meet the three bodies that were being mm. um, brought back to the U.S. And I thought we do want to hold those families definitely, um, definitely. who lost yeah. their uh, military member. And also the people who are wounded. I'm yes. sure there's some in critical care too. It doesn't make it any easier to think, you know, that there no. might be something else going on no. when we no. when we lose. It's always possible as well that Iran has told, if it is Hezbollah in that region, which, uh, as, as I understand it, they it's unknown whether they direct what they do or they've just given them the means. Right. And if they've just given them the means. Perhaps they are saying, look, be very careful. Perhaps, yes. in a sense, this might prevent, let's hope, further rash action or yeah, or mistakes even yes. being made. Yes. Mm. So all the more reason for us to hold our intentions way higher than through the dissension and the disunity to you know a level higher that um, provides healing and unity. Exactly. Because we don't know everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we won't necessarily know everything, as we said last week. It's not going to be known. No. 
Um, so Vietnam and the Philippines have signed two agreements on incident prevention in the South China Sea and maritime cooperation among Coast Guards. And this is a positive move of cooperation between the two countries. The deals were agreed in Hanoi this week during a state visit by the Filipino president, but it may irritate Beijing which has competing claims on much of the waters around its coastline. Mm. So a good thing, we hope the tensions remain low and Beijing is okay with all of this. Mm. Mm. Definitely one to watch. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I must admit this had escaped my radar. There's a, a region in which sort of straddles Sudan and South Sudan, the country became independent, South Sudan in 2011, I believe. A region which is um, called the Abai, I think, A-B-Y-E-I, Special Administrative Area, which straddles both territories, and both countries have a claim to that. It's oil-rich. Um, but also there are ethnic groups that are often in conflict there, the Nagok and Tavik. Again, uh, apologies for my pronunciation. And it's that conflict, that ethnic conflict, that's believed last week to have led to violence that killed at least 54 people, including two UN peacekeepers and 52 civilians, according to the United Nations. Secretary General of the UN called for calm. The peacekeepers came under fire on Sunday while transporting affected civilians from a United Nations base to a hospital. <sighs> mm. That's not good. <laughs> no, no. And this seems to be separate from... What else is going on in elsewhere in Sudan? Uh, the, the ongoing conflict there that we've we've mentioned before. Uh, as I say, I didn't perhaps shamefully even know about this region. It hadn't featured in any of the news I was picking up on. No, I I haven't either. I haven't heard this story anywhere mm. in the United States. Mm -mm. So protesters in Kenya, we're going to stay in Africa, took to the streets of Nairobi this weekend to rally against femicide which the legal system is often slow to prosecute. And this I hold dear to my heart too. Mm. Um, the protests followed recent murders of over a dozen women and reports that at least 14 women have been killed so far this year. The protesters accused parliamentary representative for women, Esther Pasares, who has called for local standards and non-bailable gender-based offense charges of inaction. So come on, Esther, let's let's um, step it up. Mm, mm. We need to protect these women. We do. So general reflections on these stories. Um, let us offer gratitude, first of all, for the released hostages in Port-au-Prince and the promise of Mali's example in embracing hydrogen power and also send intention that calm will immediately prevail in Abayi, enabling the UN peacekeeping mission to continue its vital work there for Chinese officials not to be moved to antagonize this new Vietnamese Filipino accord, and for wisdom in the White House and in Tehran in response to the drone attack on US soldiers in Jordan. And finally, a good news story to end with. Yes, yes, yes. So um, Sway, a California-based company founded in 2020, is using polymers found in seaweed to make a compostable alternative to thin film plastic packaging. According to the NGO Plastic Oceans, which campaigns against plastic dumping in our oceans, about 500 
billion plastic bags are used worldwide and about 180 billion plastic bags are produced every year to store and protect clothing, shoes, and accessories, all of which can take up to a thousand years to mm. decompose. Sway bags, however, biodegrade in just four to six weeks, faster than a corn cob. What's more, the seaweed used to make its products can store up to 20 times more carbon per acre than trees according to a study conducted at Harvard University. So this is this is helpful. This is good for our oceans, which mm. I'm happy to bring because our focus is water, you know, with the global healing response. So everything we can do to help our great ocean and the water that we have makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? If, mm -hmm. Really amazing. Biodegrade, quicker than a corn cob. That's quite a quite a thought, isn't it? People are really getting innovative when it comes mm. to all of this, thankfully. I think the resources are there for us. We just have to find the right way to do things. Exactly. Maybe using a few less plastic bags would be good, too. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I wonder if nature herself, Mother Nature with the Earth, is actually showing us the way. It's actually, you know, the, the, we're finding that there are, in this case, I guess, uh, an alternative, um, alternative resources the hydrogen story as, as well. Maybe we are being, you know, new opportunities are being opened up to us. Well, I think too, if we can hear about this and support companies like Sway, mm. um, you know, and, and, and know where those creative ventures are happening, um, we, we can all send not just intention, but maybe support to, yes. to yes. those companies. Definitely. That about wraps it up for this week. Remember, you can connect with us in the Facebook group and for live intention holding in Clive's daily insight timer offerings and with me in the Labyrinth Activist Network's Zoom calls. Details of how to hook up with these are in our show notes. And don't forget our main intention for this week in response to the global healing response and our theme of our planet. We will that all human beings remember that we are all caretakers of the same planet, our Mother Earth. We will also put that in the show notes. Thank you for listening and for sharing with us and holding intentions. We look forward to connecting again next time. And in the meantime, thank you, go well, stay safe. And remember, we're more powerful together. Impact is presented by Ellen Vince and Clive Johnson and produced by Impact Productions. Our theme music is by Chris Collins and our logo artwork is by Auto Classic. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible or your favourite podcast provider. We're a non-commercial podcast dedicated to people of any faith tradition or none who yearn for healing in our troubled world. Please pass on the word so others may join us in making an impact. Thank you for listening.